Blog Talk Radio. The following broadcast is brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network. The Women of Golf Show is sponsored by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiasts. And Golf Tips, the game's most in-depth instruction magazine with insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top teaching professionals, helping you improve your game from tee to green. Good morning. Welcome to the Women of Golf, the number one women's golf show around the world, with hosts Ted Odorico and Cindy Miller. Join them as they interview some of the best players from the Epson, LPGA and Legends Tour, and so many others helping to elevate women's golf. So without further ado, here are your hosts, Ted and Cindy. All right, good morning everybody and welcome to the Women of Golf. I'm Ted Odorico and right alongside, of course, uh, is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller. Welcome back, Cindy. Well, thank you. I feel like I've been gone forever. I know, I feel like you've been gone gone forever. I've been a little gone too myself, so in, 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 in my mental capacity, so I'm right there with you. But welcome back. Glad to have you back on the show. And uh, we got a good one this morning. It's, uh, it's going to be very interesting. Uh, we've got uh, our latest winner from uh, the Epson Tour, uh, Daniela uh, Iacobelli, who just won the 2022 Wild Horse Ladies Golf Classic that was held in Pendleton, uh, Oregon uh, this past weekend. And um, this is her fourth win, uh, Cindy. And then I believe we're going to be joined. I uh, made a little uh, error in our in our program, but I think we're going to be joined by Rachel Johnson uh, a little bit later on in the show. Uh, is that correct? It is correct. It is correct. But I, okay, I have well, to we say will... something. So mm. tomorrow at one o'clock, Jamie Miller's twins are going to be born. Wow. Isn't that cool? Very, that is very good. And yes, Jamie, of course, is, is Cindy's son. I have to tell you something that I thought was very awesome. So two weeks ago, Jamie tried to qualify for the USGA Mid-Am, and mm-hmm. he shot 68, and he was low. And I looked at the dates, and I said, are you going to go to this? Because it's September 16th at Aaron Hills. He said, No. I should. The kids are coming on September 7th. And I said, well, if you really want to go, Dad and I will go stay with Candace and everything will be fine. He said, well, Mom, I appreciate that, but I really want to be home with my babies. And I said, okay. So he wrote a letter to the USGA and told them he had to withdraw and the reason why he had to withdraw. And the guy from the USGA wrote back and said, this falls under our family situation, so you need to copy this email and send it to this guy and copy me, and we will give you a deferral for the 2023 U.S. Mid-Am, and you can play wow. a Sleepy Hollow next year. How freaking cool is that? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, a triple bonus. Two, uh, he's got twins on the way, and he gets a deferral for uh, next year's uh, USM. That's That's fantastic. And he was... I know I remember um, when you were on a few weeks ago and you were talking about how well he was playing. So I know, you know, on one hand, he hates to, to miss the event, you know, especially playing so well, but obviously understandable he's he's going to be uh, 
uh, a proud papa here in uh, uh, tomorrow. So yeah, I mean that's uh, that's good. so. Congratulations to uh, uh, to Jamie and and to the rest of the Miller family as well. Uh, a pre congratulation. How's that? Thank you. Thank you. You're very welcome. Anyway, I just thought so that was fa- absolutely awesome with the USGA. So Candace and Jamie are thrilled. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the Miller family continues to grow and grow and it grow. <laughs> Maybe some future other tour players be coming in uh, this next uh, uh, crop of youngins, if you will, in the Miller family. All right, we've uh, we got to move on. Uh, as I mentioned, our, our very special guest uh, starting off is Daniela Iacobelli. Uh, she is, uh, as I said, the winner uh, this was her fourth professional event this past weekend at the uh, Epson Tours Wild Horse Ladies Golf Classic, uh, as mentioned, in Pendleton, Oregon. Uh, her previous wins was the 2019 Island Resort Championship, the 2015 uh, Tullymore Classic, and the 2012 Epson Tour Championship. Uh, some of her uh, amateur highlights included a, a re- record 29 top 10 finishes, including eight wins in her collegiate competition uh, while she attended the Florida Institute of Technology. In 2005, she was named the Sunshine State Conference Freshman of the Year, uh, individual winner of the 2007 NCAA Division II Women's Golf Championship, and in 2007, she was also named Florida Tech Female Athlete of the Year. So, Cindy, let's welcome our first guest this morning, Daniela uh, Iacobelli. Good morning. Good morning. How are we doing? We're doing great. We heard you're doing great, too. I'm doing real great. I uh, yeah, I'm on top of the world. That's awesome. For sure. Where are you right now? I am home in Melbourne, Florida. Well, good for you. That's awesome. You didn't yeah. win oh, just good by to be home. one. You won by three. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. I had no <laughs> idea. Really? It was yeah. I didn't look at the leaderboard. The last leaderboard I saw was on nine. And then there was one on 14 that I refused to look at. And I tried really hard to not look at them on 16 or 18. But uh, going up 18, I I was told by my best friend and caddy that I should and could glance over. Wow. Wow. So give us your (laughs) mindset of not looking like I'm just going to keep making birdies. Well, I thought, and I mean, it was kind of ambitious, but when I started the day, I mean, I really thought I could make birdies out there, so I wanted to get to 20. And when we pulled into the parking lot, I asked if 66 would do it. And my my friend Sarah, my best friend Sarah on tour, she caddied for me, um, she said 66 for sure, and she's like, I think 68 will do it. And I was like, I'm going to win. Like, I want to I want to win. Like, I don't want to go up that. That 18th hole was not eye-appealing for me. So I didn't want to have to force anything. So I, I wanted a lead, but I did not realize my lead was three. That's awesome. How cool is that yeah, trophy? That... No, that trophy's sweet. They're going to engrave it and send it to me. So um, my mom is looking forward to getting that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, Daniela, again, congratulations. And, you know, we were talking a few moments um, off air, um, and you said you hadn't even had a chance. Not only were you not looking at the leaderboard, 
uh, to see where you were at, um, but you really hadn't a chance to go through your stats. So we're going to go through a couple here. I found some very interesting stats. Um, there were three rounds, of course, in, in this particular event. Your first round, uh, you got an eagle and five birdies, and five. Uh, not a bogey on the card. You finished 65 to get a great start, which put you seven under. Uh, your second round, you did get a bogey, uh, only one but then you backed it up with a, an eagle the very next hole and then four birdies after that uh, with a 67 was your score for the day. It put you at 12 under. And then the last round, you got, again, five birdies, um, an eagle, or sorry, a bogey on the same hole, which was number four. And then a little bit later on in hole 11, you got an eagle again, putting you at that 66. But I want to go because I think this is so important for the listener, especially for some of you that struggle with your game. These are the stats that matter. Um, fairways hit, both the first two rounds, 12 out of 14, 11 out of 14, round three. So you're getting it in the fairway. Um, your greens and reg, 15 out of 18, round one, 11 out of 18, round two, and 17 out of 18, round three. And putts, 28 round one, 25 round two, and 31 round three with an average of 28. That is some serious golf. And I'm going to talk about the driving distance in a minute because this was I found really interesting too. Um, but you've got to be happy with that. I, I didn't do the sand saves because uh, I think you only had uh, two bunker shots, I think, the whole time or maybe three uh, in the whole uh, event. So it uh, wasn't a lot of bunkers. But those are some serious stats. I mean, that's why you won the tournament right there. Would you agree? Absolutely. I, I didn't realize I hit 17 greens on the final day. I'm trying to think of which one I missed. Uh, it was actually the one I bogeyed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. No, that's, that's crazy. Yeah. And, and those are some serious you know, so, Well, and it tells me a couple of things. It tells me that obviously, number one, your ball striking is pretty solid and your accuracy even more so. Uh, is even that much more solid. So what part of your game gives you the most difficulty? Obviously, it's not hitting the fairways. It's not hitting the greens. Your putts are pretty decent. You had a, uh, a few extra on, on round three. But typically, what is what game is your uh, part of your game is, is a bit of your nemesis from time to time? Honestly, I think it's just kind of piecing everything together. Um I tend to be a fairly decent ball striker. I'm pretty good with my distances. It's just putting everything together. I mean, if you look at round three, you know, 17 greens and 31 putts, I mean, that's kind of inevitable when you're hitting that many greens. You know, you can't make everything. Um, Right. But then in round two, hitting 11 greens and 25 putts, that means I was making a lot of up and downs. So, Honestly, it's just piecing things together. You know, when you when you miss the green, you have to make up and down, and I apparently did that. It's it's interesting to hear all the stats. Yeah, yeah certainly. And and this one really caught my eye as well. As I mentioned, the driving distance. Round one, you hit it 285. Round two, 295. This is the one that really caught my eye because you obviously were still hitting fairways. You were still getting the greens and reg. You drop down to 265. Um, so from the day before, that's a 30-yard drop, and from the day before that, which was your round one, was 20 yards. 
did you come into some? Was it windy on the in the final rounds? Was it just uh, maybe a little t- getting a little tired, or or what was the? What do you think caused that? Because that's a big drop, a uh, thirty yards from the day before. So our driving distances are averaged on two holes for the right. for each round. Um, okay. The one hole was number six, which was playing straight downwind, um, and the wind was a little heavier in round two. So that hole, I ended up hitting it like 320, but then 14 was playing into the wind, so it only went, like strong, so it only went about 260. Um, gotcha. So that's kind of where the averages go away. And then there was hardly any wind on the third day, except for maybe the last four holes, the wind kind of picked up. It wasn't, I mean, it wasn't crazy. It was eight to 10 the most. So right. the, the, the dominant wind on the driving distance holes, I think played a factor into it. Yeah, I, I figured there had to be something. You still averaged 281 over the course of the three days. Um, it was just a, a noticeable drop. So I figured either the wind came into play or maybe there was some bad weather that had come in and, and you know, you just weren't getting the same uh, distance. But, yeah, that makes sense. If they're doing it off a couple of holes um and they just happen to pick one of the holes that you don't uh stripe it as solid as normal or or for whatever reason uh that's obviously going to affect that stat. I was just curious but I mean overall I mean your stats are just incredible and the fact that you only carded two bogeys in all three rounds um is is incredible. No doubles obviously um and three eagles one each day and then the rest were were birdies and pars. I mean that's Cindy would you not agree that's some pretty solid golf? Golfing your ball, baby. <laughs> yeah, really I did it for one week. <laughs> <laughs> What's on the How schedule does it... next? What's that? What is on the schedule next? Oh, um, my clubs are still in the travel bag, and they'll probably be there for a couple days. Um, I leave Monday to go to Alabama, and then we have our last four events in a row of the season. So I'm looking forward to the last four. Awesome. Awesome. Is the Alabama event at Prattville? Yes, it is. It's uh, the Robert okay. Trent Jones. Right. Um, I think it's Cap- Capital, Capital Senator and Capital, something like that. Yeah. Um, now, that's this coming weekend? Uh, no, uh, next weekend. So we have this week off. Oh, okay, okay. So the following week, I might try to make it there because uh, I'm not that far away. I'm probably a couple of hours away, so I might try to make it out there and uh, and uh, watch. Uh, I've been wanting to do that the last several years, and, and I always keep getting the schedule mixed up. So I'm going to try to my best to come out. And then you've got the um, the tour championship coming up in uh, early October, I believe, which will be at the course the LPGA. Uh, course over in back down in Florida. So, uh, yeah, you've only got a few events. It's hard to believe that the season's coming to a close. How do you feel overall? I mean, obviously you're coming off a, a win, so you're you're pretty stoked and whatnot. But how do you feel overall? Uh, you played this season. Do you feel good about the season? Is there some areas that um, let you down a little bit? Um, that obviously you have a redemption now from winning the tournament. But um, what was your season overall like? Do you think? How do you feel about it? I mean, it started off fairly strong, and then we we got into like a a five week stretch of just, I mean, ungodly wind. I mean, we're talking 
30 to 50 mile an hour gusts where it was just, I mean, it was British open golf at courses that were not designed for wind. And I'm such a feel and tempo player that it really threw me off for a while. And it took me five or six miscuts of trying to regain tempo. I mean, right in the middle of the season. And I feel like I'm just now kind of getting back and refinding a little bit of a rhythm. And then thankfully the last three days, I mean, Friday or Saturday, there was a lot of wind. I mean, we had a wind delay. There was tents being flown over. Like it was crazy, but fortunately I wasn't a part of that wave. So I didn't really have to experience as much of it. Um, but yeah, we've just, the, the weather we've seen this year is just insane. Yeah, it has been. Yeah, we've had a lot of. I mean, I, I'm in Florida. Um, Cindy's actually uh, res, resides up in Buffalo, um, but I know here in Florida and and Lower Alabama, which is where you're going to be playing uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, we've had an unusual amount of rain this year. So it's been kind of a little sloppy. In fact, we just had a bunch again yesterday. So I'm hoping we're not going to have any today. It's I'm looking out. The sun's shining. So hopefully that's going to be the rest of the day. Um, what are you going to do? Obviously, you're coming off a win. You're going to have a week off. What are you going to do the week off? What are you going to do this week? To, are you going to do anything to prepare? Absolutely nothing. No, not you're at all. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I have missed my bed and uh, my friends and my family. So to be able to catch up with them, everyone around here is so excited um, for me. I have such a great support system in the area. And it's, I, I mean, I'm like their local personal celebrity. So, to, to get to hang out with everyone. And I think I just get to relive Sunday for the next four or five days until I catch up with mm-hmm. everybody. So I'll be, I'll be riding the wave for probably the remainder of the week. And I'm not a big practicer, so I might go out there a couple of days and re-familiarize myself with Bermuda grass since we'll be playing on that the next four weeks. That will be um, a little bit different, but no, a lot of R&R for sure. Well, according to your stats, apparently you don't need a lot of practice. So I think you're, I think you've got a good, uh, uh, a good head on your shoulders, and obviously know what works best for you. And and you know what that what, what brings, a, a, I guess, a valid point is every, you have to know your own game. For some people, some people have to get out there and grind it each week and have to really, you know, dial in their practice and that. And other people can kind of just, you know, sort of limit what they do, and it works for them. And I think that's the key um, is once you recognize what works best for you, then you stick with it. And obviously it served you well. This is, again, as I mentioned earlier, this is your fourth win. Um, and uh, you're doing something right to, to get uh, that many wins under your belt. So, um, and with stats like, like we just talked about a few moments ago, um, you're, you're certainly in, in the zone, as they say. Cindy? When you do practice, um, it, it's funny because I can tell we do a lot of stuff with personalities and I, you and I are pretty opposite of each other but you're just like my husband and he played on tour for like 15 years and there were times when he would say I don't need to play a practice round I'm just going to walk out there and hit some putts on the greens I've been here enough I know where the course is just make sure nothing's changed and so do people give you grief for being chill Oh, all the time. I mean, my father yeah. is 
the the number one. He thinks I should be out there for eight hours a day and just grinding. And <laughs> I'm the type of person. I mean, and Sunday was the the, the prime example. Um, like I said, I had my best friend on the bag, and I can hit a golf ball. You know what I mean? It's not it's not difficult <laughs> for me to hit a golf ball. But when you want to hit it exactly where you want, that's a different story. And I don't care if you practice 50 hours a week. It's managing your emotions during those pressure situations that I don't think you can teach. I don't think that's a learnable thing. I mean, I had maybe 18 inches to win, and I could have three-putted from 18 inches, and I've never shook harder over a golf ball. And right? you just can't teach – you can't teach that. So there's a lot to be said for, you know, quote-unquote muscle memory and practicing three-footers until you, you know, dig your feet into the ground on the putting green. But it's the three-footer that means a lot that you have to practice. And I think just continuing to try and get into these winning situations is going to make me more and more comfortable. But to go break my back and – you know, work on this perfect swing and then you get 50 mile an hour wins. I mean, you can't have a perfect swing in 50 mile an hour wins. You just got to figure out how to golf the ball and get it into the bottom of the hole. So I completely agree with that being a personality type for sure. I mean, that's, that's, that's just me. I'm, I'm right in the middle of John Daly and Fred couples. I'm like right in the middle of those two. So, um, I, yeah, I mean, I practice what I need to work on if I'm, if I'm putting, I like to practice inside 10 feet and get a good feel for, you know, my grip, my stance, everything, and and speed. But I just I'm, – I'm not a grinder. I, I think I get too in my head when I start over-practicing. And, yeah, and um, I'm going to kill you. Yeah, it's been, it's a, it's been a demise of, of myself that um, – I had a friend that called it paralysis by analysis. And it couldn't be more true. The, it's just once you start overthinking, I think you're dead on the golf course. You really are. And, and again, Alan will say, well, it's just a proven task. i got to focus on the same thing no matter where I am. We got invited to go to Australia, and um, he hadn't played in a tour event in 10 years, right? And his clubs, <laughs> his clubs were illegal. This was a while ago. And so we ordered some new irons, and they didn't come. They didn't come, and he's practicing. And, you know, I'm a lunatic. And I go, what are you going to do? And they're going to come like the day before we leave. You won't even play with them. He goes, it doesn't matter. A five iron's a five iron. You've got to do the same swing no matter what club it is. And so we go to Australia, and the son of a pup comes in top ten. He goes, you just got to follow. So, again, the hardest part for you guys, when he qualified for the tour, he was the number one amateur in the country. And then everybody's like, oh, you got to hit it farther. So then he tried to change his swing, and it totally screwed him up. So good for yep. you. Don't let anybody inside that noggin of yours. Keep doing what you got to do. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm stubborn like that. So I don't think uh, I don't think too many people could get inside my head. Good. Good. Yeah. Dad? Yeah, and that's a – yeah, that's a good thing. I mean, I, I agree a, a, a thousand percent with what uh, Cindy had, had said as well with her advice. And and obviously you understand, as I mentioned uh, a moment ago, you understand your game very well. 
the biggest mistake I see, and I think Cindy would concur, you know, we both uh, teach the game as well. Um, but, um, you know, we see people out there just beating ball after ball after ball and without any sort of rhyme or reason. And then they get out in the golf course and, you know, they're maybe hitting a pretty decent out in the range, but they get out in the golf course and they just don't know what they're doing. And I think, you know, once you get to this level for you, and I'm referring to you now, uh, Daniela, you know, you know you've got a solid game. You know you can hit the ball. You know your your accuracy. You know what you're able to do. Now it's a matter of putting, as you said, piecing everything together and getting out there and playing. And I think that's where a lot of amateurs fall short is they're so busy going through the process of trying to hit it perfect that they just forget that, hey, I've got to put it all together and get out there and play and, and try to, you know, put a, a low number on, on the board, and they just don't do it. Um, so as we get ready to wrap up, because I know you, you want to go and, and uh, kick your feet up and relax and catch some rays and all that kind of good stuff, what advice would you give to amateurs that may be tuning into the program right now if you were to give them some advice um, about how they can improve, how they can, you know, sort of be a better player overall? What would you say to them? Um, honestly, I, I'm fortunate enough that over here I get to play with a lot of the members at my club and, um, you know, they're, they're well off. So they're, you know, more in their forties, fifties and sixties. And the biggest thing that I see is, um, the frustration, which I get, you know, it's golf and we all have hit the perfect golf shot and we think we should be able to do it every time. Um, the biggest thing I tell all my members over here, when they have a bad round or they have a bad shot, I'm like, just remember that this isn't paying your mortgage. This is what you guys do for fun, and it should be fun. And if you hit a bad shot, drop another one. You know, try to do it again. Hit a, try to hit a better one. And if not, make a game out of yourself to where, okay, I hit, you know, a bad shot here. Let's see if I can't make a par. Let's see if I can't save a bogey. And just try to try to eliminate expectations and enjoy yourself. I mean, these are the people that are, are paying to go play golf. I mean, don't don't get frustrated and have to pay to play golf. I mean, especially in Florida, we get 360 days golf. If you don't do it today, you can do it tomorrow. But I see so many people that want to break 90, want to break 80, want to break 70. And I tell them all the time, I'm like, it's going to happen when – a, you don't expect it, and B, you're not trying. So, you know, just go enjoy the day and be with your friends or your family or whomever, and just don't put the pressure on yourself. Like, you know, like I tell them all the time, it's not it's not paying your bills, so there's no reason to get frustrated. Some great advice. Um, I, I think that I think that will serve them well for those tuning into the show. Um, you know, again, as I, as I mentioned very early on in, the, in the, the program, you have to find your own game. I think too many times people try to put themselves in the same box as, as another player um, or, uh, you know, their, their friends. They're playing with their friends. Maybe one of their friends is a little bit more aggressive player. One's a little bit more, like you said, like a Freddie Couples that's a little bit more relaxed. And they're, rather than trying to find their own rhythm and their own ability they're trying to emulate somebody else. And, and we see that all the time as, as teacher professionals. You know, they'll come up and they'll say, well, I want to you know, play like so-and-so that I see on TV. Well, number one, you don't have the, the body type for that to you know, generate that kind of a, uh, a backswing. You know, they're 
four foot five, and you know the person they're talking about is six foot five. Um, so you know there's differences in, in body type, and you know what I'm talking about. Everybody's different, sure. and everybody has a different Absolutely. approach to the game. But the number one thing is you have to look at what your abilities are and and what your strengths and weaknesses are, and then you focus on the strengths and you try to overcome the weaknesses by working a little bit harder on those and trying to find ways of, of overcoming them as best you can. And But I think the number one thing, I think you would agree with this, and it sounds to me, if I, and, you know, as I, as I listen to you, um, you know, talk about your own game, I think the most important thing is you're going out there to have fun. Otherwise, you're, you're not going to be there. Is that a pretty accurate assessment? You want to go out and you want to have fun. I mean, yeah. you're working, it's, it's your job, but you want to have fun at doing it. Otherwise, you're going to be bored and, and finding something else to do. Is that Absolutely. accurate, you think? I mean, I have this, yeah, I mean, this is the coolest job in the world. There's not a person on this planet that has a better job than I do. Um, and I've always said that the day it becomes a job is the day I quit. And I've I've had moments where there was some grinding, and there's been a lot of tears over the last uh, 13 seasons, but... You know, I mean, I know what I'm capable of, and I know that, that golf comes in waves, and you're going to have really high highs, which I'm at right now, and really low lows, which I've seen more than the highs. And you just kind of have to ride the wave and know that it's it's going to come back. So if you're going to be out there, you may as well enjoy yourself. And I think I've done a pretty exceptional job of that um, the last, the last decade of playing, God help me. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. Well, Danielle, we, again, congratulations on win number four. Go and, and celebrate with your family and friends. Rest up, and then you'll be right back at it in uh, a week's time at uh, Prattville in uh, in southern Alabama. So good luck at the Robert Trent Jones. It's, nice. it's a beautiful course. I haven't played it, but I have been there, and it is a, a great course. You'll love it. Yeah, no, I've played there a couple of times. So if, if you make it out there, let me know. I'll, uh, I'll love to see you in person. Well, I will do my best. I will do my best. Uh, Daniela, thank you again for joining us this morning on the Women of Golf. And again, congratulations on your win. Awesome. Thank you, guys. Good luck, right. honey. Have fun. Thank you very much. All right. That was our special guest this morning, Daniela uh, Iacobelli. Uh, winner of the 2022 Wild Horse Ladies Golf Classic uh, on the Epson Tour uh, just this past week. What a great way to uh, to roll in the Labor Day weekend, wouldn't you agree, Cindy? Absolutely, that's awesome. Just awesome. Yeah, and and just you know, I mean, what about those stats too? I mean, come on, that, that's just uh, that's just incredible. I mean, you don't you don't see that. I mean, obviously she won the tournament, so she's going to, but, um, you know, two bogeys the whole whole tournament. Um, you know, we've seen other players who have won and, you know, looked at their stats, and they've had certainly, uh, you know, more bogeys and less birdies and whatnot and still managed to pull it across. But she just, she has a great attitude, very solid, knows her game well enough, knows what to do when and what not to do when, and I think that has served her well. And uh, I think she's... Uh, She's going to do uh, continue on uh, you know, in her golfing journey, as she said. Uh, as long as she keeps having fun, she's going to keep doing it and going out and, and winning golf tournaments. Yep, yep. That's awesome. All right. 
All right, we're going to take a real quick break, and then we're going to be joined by Rachel Johnson when we come back. The following ad is sponsored by Golf Tips Magazine. Are you tired of being short off the tee? And what about those three putts? Forget about it. It's time you got serious about your game. Golf Tips, the most in-depth magazine in the industry. For over 30 years, Golf Tips has delivered expert content such as the latest golf instruction from America's top pros, simple-to-follow practice and game improvement drills, fitness and mental game tips, equipment, training aids, accessory and apparel reviews, golf destinations and travel tips for every budget, and so much more. Don't miss a single issue. Go to GolfTipsMag.com and subscribe today. All right, welcome back. And um, Cindy, um, do you want to go ahead and uh, introduce our, our guest? I had muted. Sorry, I always do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Do you want to go ahead? Yeah. Um, so I met Rachel uh, by accident at the Jim Kelly Celebrity Classic. She was standing on. Uh, she was the par three girl. And it was a mile-long par three, and she hit a five-iron, like, really close to the hole. And she was there with a group, which I'll let her explain to you. And I said, well, do you play? She goes, well, I used to. And I said, well, what are you doing now? Well, I'm I'm doing this. And I'm like, oh, okay. I said, you should be on our radio show. So, uh, Rachel, thank you for signing up to do this. We're glad you're here. Why don't you tell us, number one, who you are, where you're from, and how I ever got to meet you. Good morning. Yeah. Yeah, good morning, guys. I'm really excited to talk with you this morning. Um, So, yeah, my name is Rachel Johnson. I am from uh, Anderson, Indiana. Um, I am still actually trying to play. Um, I played college golf at Missouri State. Um, And then after that, I took a break from the whole industry. I I was just wore out playing, you know, D1 golf and didn't think that's where I wanted to be anymore. So um took about a year and a half off and then uh, came back to it. I turned pro last year, and I've been playing on the Women's All-Pros Tour, um, the mini circuit down in Texas, Arkansas, Louisiana, and that area. Um, and in my when I'm not playing the tournaments, I do uh, – I work for a company called Backswing where – we go around to corporate outings and help uh, raise money for the different charities. And that's where I was uh, able to meet Cindy that day at the Jim Kelly uh, Foundation. Very cool. So tell us how you um, first started in golf. Obviously, you played collegiate golf, as you mentioned, um, at uh, Missouri uh, University. But what um, what sort of sparked your initial interest in golf? Yeah, so it's been a family sport. Um, my dad, he was self-taught, and um, he taught us girls. And my sister um, is, a, is quite a bit older than me, but she played college golf at University of Arkansas at Little Rock. And so um, growing up, obviously, I saw her doing that, and that's what – I knew I wanted to be a college golfer as well. Um, so my dad basically has taught me. I've never taken a private lesson or anything like that. Um, we would just go to the driving range or hit in the backyard or do whatever we had to do to get a good practice in. And, um, yeah, so I just kind of grinded out. He would, well, you know, once I hit 10 years old, 
Um, he would take me to the golf course in the mornings and drop me off and pick me up at, on his lunch break. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how I started. Well, and it's, uh, you know, very typical, obviously, families that, that sort of golf together. Um, you know, you obviously had some aspirations to play uh, collegiate golf, which you did. Tell us a little bit about, now you, you mentioned you kind of, there came a point in time you got a little bit burnt out along the way. Um, tell us about your experience at uh, Missouri State. You play for, I'm assuming it's the Bears, right? Yep, the Bears, yep. Um, so, so my t- time there, Tell I us actually, a little bit. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. So um, I actually, my first year of college, I went to Chicago State, um, and that was, it was an experience, and it was good. Um, the coach that I had originally signed for um, moved on right when I was going into the freshman year. So I hung on there for a year, um, but the Chicago winters really got to me, <laughs> and I knew if I wanted to actually play further that um, I needed to needed to go elsewhere. So, um, but I got a late transfer process, so I didn't um, start looking at schools until I think it was a, like April, late, late early May, late April. Um, and so at that time, you know, most schools had already created their roster, and fortunately, um, they had a decommit at Missouri State, and so I went there. Um, we won. We were pretty successful my sophomore year and junior year. We won the Missouri Valley Conference, and um, I was able to win it individually um, my junior year as well. Um, so senior year was kind of a – I don't think I was there mentally, and I think once you check check off out of golf, you know, that's where nothing good comes from it. So, um, yeah. So you needed a bit of a break and – and uh, want to do something else. Now, uh, looking at some of the, the, the notes here um, from their website, uh, a little bit more about your background. And obviously, you do want to have a career of, of w- whatever level or whatever uh, position in the golf industry. Do you have a specific area? Do you want to try to continue on as a player, or are you more maybe interested in the teaching side, uh, or maybe a little of both? What, what are your future aspirations when it comes to golf? What do you want to do in the golf business? Yeah, so I have a two-year plan. Um, I still want to play. It just depends on funding because you know mm-hmm. that grind is not right. that's not that's not cheap. Um, and so I actually just started working at um, an academy here in Noblesville, Indiana, or Fishers, Indiana, um, called Barla Golf Academy, and it's an indoor facility. We have um, seven bays where um, Coach Scott Barla um, teaches and sits and all of that, and he is brought me in as the PGA apprenticeship program. And so um, I just started that, you know, literally just two weeks ago. I have my playing test coming up here um, on the 13th. And so hopefully um, he could be my mentor and I can learn from him to be a teaching pro if my playing doesn't work out. Um, So I always have a background there. Um, Yeah. And where is the facility? Oh, it's in Fishers, Indiana. It's called Barla Golf Academy. Awesome. And where's Fishers, Indiana? It's pretty much central. It's right near Indy. It's probably about 25, 30 minutes northeast of Indianapolis. Got it. How far from French Lick? Ooh, French Lick's probably like an hour to an hour and a half to two hours. Got it. Got it. 
Now, are you going to try to play um, this winter in any of those tour events in Texas? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm actually, um, yeah, I'm going to play in like two. I think there's two, and then there's one also in Florida, the PG, uh, or something like the match play. I mean, I can't remember exactly what it's called. Got it. Got it. So, Ted, here's why I thought it would be interesting um, to have Rachel on, because I don't know that our listeners understand how hard it is to be able to get out, even on the Epson tour, mm-hmm. even to get enough money to play um, on the mini tours. And right. it's funny because we I've talked to you about Chelsea, the young girl that we teach, who just missed qualifying for, at stage one. Um, Mm -hmm. and again, when I qualified for the tour, I could play in the tour event the next week and I didn't have enough money for an entry fee. So I came home, I was working as a waitress. I had a huge cocktail Mm -hmm. party, invited everybody I knew, charged $25 a person. We had it at the restaurant that I worked at. I had all these people donate stuff for a raffle. I made $5,000 and went back out and finished the LPGA tour year with that money. Again, you wow. know, people don't understand how hard it is to do this. And, you know, then I, before that, I drove to California by myself to play on the mini tour. So I, I thought, you know, it's interesting. I, God bless Rachel for working, for getting a job, for doing this backswing stuff, to stand there all day long with these, um, guys that are usually drinking all day long, giving her crap, and then you know, and then having a shot with a gun pointed at her head, and she, you know, it was 200 yards. She knocks a five iron, you know, 15 feet from the hole. Take that, boys! And so, wow. I mean, kudos to you, Rachel, for doing what you're doing, and don't give up. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I work at backswing. I work at a golf course. I also serve, uh, do weddings and banquets. It's anything to make a make a dollar to, you know, support support the dream, right? <laughs> For sure. <laughs> well, and okay. and Cindy raises yeah, Cindy raises a valid point, Rachel. And I want you to maybe maybe expand a little bit from obviously from your own perspective, but. It is difficult. We we just had just prior to you coming on. Of course, we had uh, the latest winner off the Epson Tour, uh, Daniela uh, uh, Iacobelli, and this is her fourth uh, win um, as a professional. And you know that obviously doesn't always happen. Um, you know she's made some money. It's it's kept her going. But um, you know not all of the the young ladies that come in come in with sponsors or um, a lot of strong financial backing. So you're kind of on your own. And what's different. From the regular LPGA is, you know, you're organizing a lot of your own travel. You know, you don't have by that, you know, on the mini tours, you don't have your own team. You are your own team. So, what, uh, you know, obviously you've got to start saving pennies and whatnot to, to to be able to afford to get out there and play. So, are are you trying to um, work your way towards Epson and then potentially uh, the LPGA? Is that something you're going to try over this next couple of years? And uh, and using obviously the teaching side of things and, and other activities that you're doing to, to raise funds, what what are you doing specifically uh, to try and help propel uh, that dream? Yeah, so um, I, like I said, I'm playing on the Women's All Pro Tour this year, and this is kind of just the year to get my feet wet to see where I'm at, what I need to do in order, you know, to get to that level. Um, and so fortunately, like I said, I found. 
um, Scott Barla, who um, I literally was just driving by his place. I saw some golf flags. And I was like, oh, what's this? And I looked him up online, and um, he's kind of became the biggest blessing in it was just the right place at the right time, I think. And so mm-hmm. he's really um, helping me um, in that area, like in Fisher's area, to raise money. He um, is giving me different opportunities there at his facility to teach classes with Orange Whip and speed training and all of that stuff. So um, after playing on this, this season's tour, I know that um, I think I'm – well, I know I'm able to play. It's just a matter of getting the uh, right time to practice. And I think working at a facility where you can also practice is probably the most important important part of it um, because you think you practice enough, but it's never truly enough. <laughs> so between right. you know, um, um, just working out, um, practicing, and all of that jazz, just putting it all together, um, I'm hoping that I'll create enough money to – play on the full tour of the women's all pros tour next year, playing every single event. And then also go to Q school because Q school is honestly, um, you know, what gets you to that next level. I couldn't agree more. What advice would you give, um, to a young girl, um, much younger than yourself, um, that might be listening to the show that has kind of toyed with the idea, you know, that might be something that kind of sounds interesting that, you know, I've played a little golf, you know, with, with my family or maybe a friend or something. Um, what advice, and we'll leave the money aside because you've already addressed that, so obviously we've got to, you know, do things, whatever it takes to, to sort of put those resources together financially to, to you know, get you out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what advice would you give them for somebody that, that's just sort of got that initial spark? Maybe it's a young girl, she might be nine years old, what have you, might be, you know, 12 years old that says, you know what, that sounds like something I would like to try because you know what it takes to, to get to collegiate level and now you're working on getting uh, that much more. What advice would you give a young lady that might be listening to the show right now, what they need to do, what, what sort of a commitment they need to make um, realistic? Because I, I, I truly believe unless they've been brought up in that environment, they, have, they haven't a clue. What are your thoughts? Right. Yeah, so – you know, today with junior golf, they have so many different programs between the first tee, the junior or PGA Junior League, PGA Junior Camps, um, you know, all of these stuff. So make it fun. You know, you don't have to um, necessarily be competitive all the time. Yes, it's a competitive environment, but it teaches you team atmosphere. It introduces you to new people. Um, so just have fun with it. You have to want to practice and, um, you know, doing drills, creating games, um, that's that's kind of what kept me into it. My dad and I would just go out there and um, play catch with a ga- golf ball, right, just hit wedge shots at each other. It's probably not the safest thing, but <laughs> it's what I enjoyed at the time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just coming up with different drills. and um, But basically, if you want to get to the next level or um, just to have fun with it, and, you know, there's so many opportunities out there. Yeah, I think getting into a good junior program um, is is paramount. And then also finding somebody, again, obviously you have to have um, some resources because, you know, everything costs money, um, to be able to get connected with a good coach or a good professional to help, Mm -hmm. you know, work on on those things. And that's extremely important as well, and not everybody's in in that, uh, you know, position as easily. So that can take some uh, of its own challenges. I think the other thing, too, is what what a lot of 
uh, and Cindy, you can certainly attest to this because you work with um, you know uh, some young juniors that have those aspirations. But um, I'm, I'm going to bounce it to you first, Rachel, and then Cindy. I'd like for you to to jump in as well. Um, but the commitment, I think, a lot of people don't realize what's really involved. They just think, okay, well, I'll go out and play some golf and and whatnot, and you know. But it takes a commitment. You've got to work at it. Um, some can work really hard at it. Some it comes very naturally. Um, but realistically, if they want to play at a at a higher level, even if it's just getting into the collegiate level, they've got to be willing to put some time in. Give us your thoughts on that. And then, Cindy, I'd like from your perspective what you try to get your students that are, have those inklings to want to play competitive golf, what they need to do. What's your thoughts, Rachel? Yeah. So like I said, you know, in my experience, my dad would literally drop me off at the course, um, you know, Monday through Friday. Um, and I was there for four hours, five hours. And, um, yeah, I would play, but, you know, I'd have to also go to the driving range and um, hit chips and putts and do the drills of that um, because I knew what I wanted. I knew where I wanted to be and I knew what it, well, I didn't really know what it had to take, but I enjoyed practicing. I enjoyed playing golf. And um, that was just kind of what I did for quote unquote fun at the time. So it wasn't necessarily work, but I knew that um, I had to put in some work to, to get to that next level. Um, I never, like I said previously, I never had a pro teaching me, but um, I think that's important nowadays to get the fundamentals down. Um, I was working with a, um, a high schooler last year and she was, you know, she was improving as our, as our lessons went on, but that was the only time she practiced. So lessons are great, but you have to take that, what you learn and practice it every day for a while. And that's how you get better. I couldn't agree more. And Cindy, you know what it takes. I mean, you've, you've made it to the highest level of the game. You've played um, on the LPJ. You've played obviously on the legends tour as well. And you work with some of these young youngsters that have, the same aspirations as Rachel's talking about, but you have it from a different perspective because you've been a player and are a player, but you're also a coach. You know what it takes and what it's going to take for them to get there. I'd like to get for you to to share your thoughts from your perspective on um, what Rachel's talking about here and for the listeners. You know, Ted, it's all about learning to score and the only way you can learn to score is if you hit the ball where you want it to go. So, yeah, you have to take lessons. I think that um, with all the junior tours, uh, there's there's such an opportunity for young players to learn how to get better at golf. And there's all these competitions, but it all comes down to loving what you're doing and not being pushed. Um, So many of these parents are unbelievable and trying to make their kid a tour star. Mm -hmm. And it's all about the kid falling in love with the game and wanting to learn to score. So we've taught, you know, thousands and thousands of kids and, and people and the one, I, I, again, we, I said this to these kids the other day. I said, you know, 
you're sitting here taking a lesson from the only married couple in the world that have played on the PGA Tour, the LPGA Tour, the Champions Tour, and the Women's Legends Tour, and not one of you has asked what it took us to get where we are. Yeah. And so I don't think they're inquisitive enough or hungry enough to say, what should I do? Mm-hmm. What's my smartest move from here? How did you do it? So I don't think that they're, I don't know that they're willing to look in the mirror. The only kid that's ever done that is our own son. And asked, you know, what did you do to get to be the number one amateur in the country for two years, right? So mm-hmm. I think it's, they all see this, and, and part of it is the internet with, you know, they want to be an influencer you know, it's like we got a saying in our house, let your club do the talking. Keep your freaking mouth shut right. and, and go post it. <laughs> you know, don't act like you think you're it when you really aren't. So if for the one who's silent but deadly and works their butt off and learns how to score, that's the one that's going to be the most successful, that everyone's going to want on their college team. You don't want to be high maintenance. You absolutely don't. I mean, and we've got people of all kinds of behavior styles. We got one kid who shuffles his way in, and I just said, you know what? No one's going to want you on their team acting like this. I, I, yeah. You got to be honest with them. You got to change the way you act and the way you perceive yourself. So, anyway, um, yeah, you got to you got to learn how to hit the ball, and then you got to learn how to score. And, and you got to enjoy doing it because it takes hours. But then, as Daniela said, you know, once she knows how to swing the club, she's just got to hit the ball at the right place at the right time. And as Alan would say, if you practice enough and you know what your process is, you're just doing the same process. And he said, you know, it doesn't matter if you're hitting a five iron on the range or you're hitting a five iron at Augusta National on the 18th hole in the Masters. And he can say that because he's played the Masters five times, you know. So, again, and it's so true. You can't put an outcome and a situation together. You have to know what your process is. And if you do that, you will get the outcome. That's the hardest part. Yeah, and and Rachel, I think you would agree with that. You know, it's one thing to – you know, have dreams and visions of, of doing that, but you have to, you have to be willing to put the work in, and that doesn't mean you have to kill yourself doing. It. You can make it fun, you can make it interesting and challenging, and that. But I think really what it, it boils down to is you have to have the right attitude. You have to be willing to do what it takes. If you want something bad enough, you've got to be willing to put the work and the time in. And she, Cindy, raised a great point because I see this a lot. We saw it even at the tour level for a while. We're not seeing it as much now but where players would come out and it was all about influencing on social media and building a brand and that, and they get out there and never won a golf tournament, but because mm-hmm. they're popular on social media. And that to me, you know, Jack Nicholas said something very similar to what you did, Cindy, and he said, you know what, I let my clubs do the talking. He said, you know, my brand, my name came out of my ability on the golf course, not the other way around. I didn't become... A, you know, a, a popular, successful person, and then decided to go and play golf. He became successful and popular, or whatever, because of his his game, because that was what was important to him. So, having said that, 
Rachel, I'm going to give you the, the last uh, comment here or thoughts that, um, on that line. This is something, Cindy raised a great point, this is something that a lot of juniors don't understand. Um, and it sounds to me, from what you have explained so far, is that your parents, your, particularly your dad, obviously, is very supportive of your game, but he's not hounding you to death. He's letting you develop your own process. Um, would that be accurate? Yes, now he is. We had to have that tough conversation probably halfway through high school because <laughs> right. I couldn't agree. Like Cindy said, these parents are crazy. They, um, they, I think they want it more than what their child wants it. And, you know, there for a while I started thinking that about my dad and I. But now he's super supportive. Um, we can go out there and have fun. It's not, it's not oh, do this, 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 and this, you know. Um, but it does take a, a tough conversation and, and the junior has to have it within themselves to, to know what they want. And, and you know, um, it's not always easy when you're a youngster trying to explain that to your parents <laughs> that, you know, I, I have this, just let me do it, do it my own way or, you know, but um, it's just, just one of those things that it takes time. And like I said, maybe a tough conversation or two. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and just to add Hopefully. real quick on that, go ahead, Cindy, sorry. Well, and hopefully they listen. Again, yeah. there's a couple of kids that I'm like, oh, boy. So here's the here's the other thing, the inside scoop. You know, Alan's dad was very, very, very pushy. And when Alan won his PGA Tour event, his dad said, well, that's great. Now you got to win another one to show him it wasn't a fluke. And he never even said congratulations. You know, mm-hmm. you just don't want to go on suicide watch. That's just the worst thing, you know. So if you're a parent listening to this, you got to ask your child, do they really enjoy doing this, or are they all doing it to perform for you? I teach a little young man that his parents are pushing him, and it's like this is not going to end well. You've got to give them some love. And that's why I say I'm your fairy golf mother. You can come to me whenever you want because I'm here to love you, and I don't care what you should. Yeah, that's yeah, that's so true. And, and you know, what, what parents sometimes forget is that if they're pushing their child so hard, and, and you know, you were very fortunate, Rachel, you were able to have that talk with your dad, um, you know, maybe more than once, but you had that conversation with him. There's a lot of kids out there that are afraid, afraid to have that conversation because they don't want to, they don't want to feel like they're disappointing their parents because, you know, their parents are, you know, we're proud that you're playing golf or you're whatever, you know, is that you're doing and they're push, 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 and they don't want to let them down. But the truth of the matter is you have to, this is something that you have to want to do. It doesn't matter what they want you to do. It's something if you really want it, then they need to be that support team and so forth. But yeah, you have to have that conversation. Um, as we get ready to wrap up, because we're out of, getting out of time here, um, where can the folks, Rachel, uh, you mentioned you were at Bar- uh, Barla Golf Academy. Where can they reach out to you if they want to uh, connect with you? Yeah, so um, I have my information on on that site or like the Um or I have my social media. Uh, my Instagram is Rachel with three L's underscore 97. You can send a message that way. Perfect. Well, we want to wish you all the success uh, and much continued uh, uh, success and luck in that and, and what you do and and uh, learn 
learn a lot when you're uh, at the Barla Golf Academy, which is, again, barlagolfacademy.com. If you want to connect with Rachel there, you can uh, reach out or on her social media. Um, and good luck in your uh, pursuit of, of playing on the tour. I think you've got a good attitude, and I think if you um, you know focus and work hard, I think you'll uh, be able to realize uh, that dream as well. And uh, all the while teaching the next generation to be able to play. Yes, thank you so much for having me today. It was a joy talking to you both. All right. Thanks, Rachel. Good, Good luck. Coming. Thank you. All right, that was Rachel Johnson um, joining us, uh, an up-and-coming up potential tour player perhaps, and uh, if not, maybe uh, another uh, uh, teaching profession uh, professional excuse me, um, out there helping to uh, develop the game. Very interesting young lady. And, and you know, one last thing, and I know we got to go, um, that I just wanted to mention, you know, she recognized herself, as she mentioned, you know, she got a little bit burned out and had to step away, and that's okay. Um, you know, if you're, if you're burning yourself out and you're not willing to take a little bit of a breather, that's not going to be good for you in the long run. So I think the fact that she recognizes that and the fact that she was willing to, um, you know, talk to her dad and say, look, this is what I want to do and this is how I want to do it and, you know, I need you there to be supportive, but, you know, it's time to let me sort of spread my wings and, and grow. And I think that's uh, something that a lot of uh, uh, youngsters uh, can learn from, but I think a lot of parents need to take heed to as well. Wouldn't you agree? Totally agree. All right. Mrs. Miller, again, congratulations to uh, to Jamie. Uh even though it hasn't happened yet, but it will uh, tomorrow. And um, um, make sure you send me some some pictures. Text me some pictures. I will. You got some. And uh, congratulations to the rest of the Miller family as well. And we will see you next week here on the Women of Golf. And uh, we didn't get a chance to do uh, zip into the no BS zone, so we'll have to maybe skip that for next week uh, on the second half. But thanks for joining us, everybody. God bless, and we'll see you next week on the Women of Golf. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's Women of Golf show. Ted and Cindy wish to thank this week's special guests. Remember to join them every Tuesday from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the iGolf Sports Network or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. To get updates on the show, you can follow the Women of Golf's Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash women of golf. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.